Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as Jep at DT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Thank you, Pete. Let's crack on with some more fantasy chat. All right. So, as always, news as news comes to hand, make necessary adjustments, uh, of course. And this podcast is pretty much early thoughts for the 2022 season. And later in the preseason, we'll start to drill down onto some specifics there. So, But we're just pretty much going to go through some discussions. And Jeff and I haven't had a chat over the preseason yet. So it's pretty much we're welcoming you into our chat for the first time this season. So here we go, Jeff. Key decisions for the 2022 season. All right. Strong ruck combo with a question mark. Thoughts on Gorn Grundy or are you heading in a different direction? No, look, I I don't like spending up too much in the ruck when I don't have to. So when opportunities present and that they're the mid-price values, <clears throat> um, then I take those a thousand percent because starting with two primos, we always spend trades in our rucks no matter what. I think there's less pain um, trading up a mid-pricer to a primo when there's a, a, an out or an injury or suspension, whatever it may be, versus, you know, trading out Gorn for a week um, because of, you know, he's being rested pre-finals or whatever it may be. So the, there's, um, you know, team balance is the other part of it. But, um, you know, for me, it's it's one primo, one mid-pricer in the ruck this season. So we talked in a previous podcast about COVID situation. So what I'm thinking here with the ruck situation is that you want to minimise potentially trades that you need to do compared to the trades that are necessary. So at some stage, we, if you spend down at one ruck position, um, that you, you, you're almost building in a trade, or you actually are, to try and buy up or spend up to get the big guys in. So... You know, do we start with the big guys, Jeb, based on the fact that, you know, we, we want to conserve, uh, conserve our trades into situations where we may need them, where players, as we know, are potentially going to miss games this year? Yeah, that's exactly it. I, I, I think it's in a coach's best interest to um, – and, look, it can happen with Grundy, and most of us are going to start Grundy this year um, – but yeah, there's it's better in the long term for the game for your for your side and the balance of your side if um if you don't go the two primos in the ruck because we're gonna burn trades in every line and the ruck for because there's only two spots on the starting twenty two it just stings so much harder. So look I would actually start I've played with playing two mid price rucks for for the very reason. Mm-hmm. I've actually got a screenshot of a potential team with um with wits and price so that leads us into the our next topic of discussion on the ruck combo is bench cover now we know bench cover this year jeb if you <laughs> if we've ever used bench cover or if you ever need a bench cover this is the year to have it so you know for those players who are going to start with someone that is uh, potentially not playing in round one uh, you could face issues throughout the year and that's probably likely i would say that you would so to forego a hundred points in a round you know if you're challenging for overall title that could be critical so what are we thinking from your point of view uh i'll give you mine and it's uh, i'm going in with bench cover that's playing round one um even at cost so what are your thoughts jeff yeah same um at cost for me look i'm not going silly with it 
but I'll probably throw out a Luke Pedler as a good example, who's 210k mid forward, um, high draft pick last year, only got a couple of games, but shows there is potential there for him to do something this season. Um, no, team depth is is number one for me. There's it is going to be chaos. We we we've said it, we've spoken about it. It's it, it cannot um, it cannot be put better or simply enough. So look, team depth can still be done with rooks. Okay, so Greg Clark's are probably a good example from West Coast. Um, he's on my bench, and I'm pretty confident in him as in in a mature age, um, being a mature age player. Um, but look, I wouldn't spend more than three hundred grand on a bench player. I draw the line at that. Alrighty, selecting value jet. So each year uh, we go. Jump into our spreadsheets, we're punching in numbers left, right, and centre, we're punching in salaries, numbers, everything, and out spits value. So what we can see this year, pretty much a generous amount of players that showing value, especially in my spreadsheet, and once you throw a projected scoring average for the year. Right, so most of those players that have that uh, generous salary and they're showing value, most of those players are coming off injury. So we've got to put a little bit of risk on there as well. But as far as selecting value, just a couple of early thoughts on a few players here, and that's Matty Rao. What are you thinking on him? Uh, look, to me, he's a very good contested inside player, but he struggles to spread from the contest. We did in these games last year. So that's why his scores really didn't come on. And for me, it's, it's a no-go, isn't it? I'm not going there, even at his value. Now, he may well you know, average 90 or whatever he gets to, and, and that's all good and well. But I'll tell you right now, like, I can find better value than, than Rao in that midfield. So my thoughts on Rao are this, is that he had opportunity in those centre bounces last year, and the scores just weren't there. And, and that's just a, like a, a bit of an issue for me. I needed to see, you know, maybe two or three scores over 100 or close to 100 where you go, yeah, there's growth there. But yes, he was injured last year again. But you know what? He's been injured every every year of his career so far. He's pretty decent value at, you know, if he's going to average 90 plus, well, then he's almost a, you've got to have him in there because he's going to make so much coin. But, you know, if he only averages 70, 75, 80, eh, I'm not really that interested, Jeff. What are you thinking there? Yeah, spot on. It's it's a all I look. I, I map out a team, and it's always a compare two players versus two players, or one player versus one player. And let's be, I'm going to be blunt. You know, it's Caldwell versus Rao. And to me, even with Caldwell and the amount of Essendon mids that they have, his points per minute absolutely, you know, destroys Rao's potential. Mm. And Again, I put it down. He can get the tackles and he can get the handballs out of the contest. So his kick-to-handball ratio isn't going to be great. We know that. He's going to get a lot of tackles. He's probably not going to score them that many goals. He'll kick a few. But ultimately, it's the marks and kicks game. When you spread from a contest and you can pick up the marks and kicks, and look, Josh Kelly is probably a perfect example here. He can go inside, he can go outside, he can run, he can spread, he can do everything. Now, and Rao just doesn't have that asset to his game yet. I'm not saying he won't get there. I just don't – and, hey, I might be wrong. I hope you – know, there's a part of me that hopes that I am wrong because I want to see the Suns succeed and do really well. But, look, I think Noah Anderson 
has a better potential to run and spread and play, still play inside in that Suns team. And he, to me, will undoubtedly score more than Rao this season in fantasy. All right, so as for Rao, his under-18 season, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Like, even waxing with Anderson. So it was unbelievable. Now, he hasn't had the decent run yet. But I think, you know, if I'm turning on the other side here to talk positively about Rail, is that he's going to get the centre bounce usage. We, we pretty much know that's going to be a guarantee that it's going to be pretty decent yet. Yeah, I agree with that. So, you know, at the moment I'm a no. Like, I'm just a straight no. But... I would I would start to heavily think about it if he plays you know again we're not going to get many looks at these guys uh, before round one if he jumps into that centre bounce mix which we expect in the preseason games and he starts you know increasing his scoring rate well then I'm interested but you know we just didn't see it last year with those centre bounces Jeff. Yeah, so let, look, let's take the two games of preseason um, as gospel as how he's going to play. But just for for our listeners, I want them to watch him try. Well, I want them to, him. I want you guys to watch him spread from the contest. And it it was a struggle. Mm. It was a struggle last year, and you need to be able to spread from the contest to get the mark kick game going and and um, score highly. All right, so I'll throw a little bit extra level on that. Is it? In, in the preseason game, hopefully he gets there. Um, is the repetitive, uh, the repeat disposals, yeah. So give yep. one, take one, give one, take yep. one. You know, it's like that knocky, knocky kneel. You know, he's, he's getting one, he's giving it in close to someone, but he knows he's going to get it back. That type of scenario. If you see that from Real, well then I'm highly interested. So let's just park that for the moment. Let's move on to the next player, James Sicily, Jeff. So he was he was almost uh, pretty close last year. So uh, listening to his interviews over preseason, he's pretty much done now. Two full pre-seasons, so he's good to go. Fitness-wise, no issues. Coming in off ACL, so yes, we acknowledge that. But yeah, he did a pre-season last year while the Hawks were still playing, and he's doing one right now. Ready to go. No issues for me from an injury point of view. So now we talk about Hawthorne uh, with an efficient uh, game plan, and if they're going to move that ball pretty quickly, that ball's not going to hang around half-back that often. So Sicily said that he wouldn't mind play forward. Yeah, keep that on the radar always for Sicily. Uh, pretty much if that injury has happened, that's a potential. So keep that on the radar. But I expect him to slide into half-back. Uh, Mitchell said pre-season earlier that, you know, that's, you know, he's proven player there, so that's where I'm going to start him initially. But, you know, it's not until we see pre-season games uh, and a bit of training there to work out, you know, it's Sicily back, fine, all good. But from a scoring point of view, is he worth the investment, Chip? Well, you just you sort of proved my point I'm about to say here. It, he's not going to score consistently well. If Even in the back line, like when you're paying 500k for a player or their amounts, you need to see a level of consistency at 80-plus every week. And to me, I don't think that's going to happen from Sisley. Sure, he's going to turn up here and there, whatever. Um, but he's also going to get the 60s, and that's just going to kill you. It's absolutely going to kill you when you're picking a mid-pricer that you expect um, to, you know, at that price to score 80, 85 plus every week, and that's what you're going to aim for. Yeah, ownership is going to be strong on Sicily, so it might be a spot uh, to take a stand on. Jet, what are you thinking there with regards to ownership? Yeah, that's the advantage. <clears throat> that's a big advantage. Um, you know, even though he's a WA player, Darcy Tucker is much more in my line of thought than. 
than James Sisley. James Sisley, um, no disrespect to him, he's not been in my pre-season team um, much at all in this new year. Yeah, he hasn't been in my team whatsoever at all. But, you know, we'll wait and see um, what happens with the Hawks over pre-season. But, yeah, just uh, I'm leaning towards no at this stage. All right, the next player here, Jeb, Stephen Canelio. So we know Toby Green's going to miss a handful of games to start the season. Okay, Tim Tarando can go forward out of the midfield. Fine, we know that. And he's in this mix of, uh, of forward option there as well. But Cornelio coming off uh, pretty serious injuries. He's good to go. And checking out his comments and interviews and whatever throughout the preseason, I've got no issue from an injury point of view. I think Cox is ready to go. And you know what, man? He, he's been battered from pillar to post with regards to his leadership and everything, man. If you want to find a motivated player coming into this season, it is Stephen Cornelio. And we know he has a monster ceiling. So I'm kind of liking Cox there. Jep, what are you thinking? Uh, me, not so much. I, I think he, he's a value to the Giants forward, um, given who else they've got around the place. So um, I think he's going to spend time between midfield and forward. I don't like the mix. I, I don't like that from a scoring potential. Again, when I compare it to other primo forwards that are available, and ironically enough, they're all going to be spending time forward. I think... Um, Cornelio to start the year is not wise, but that's my opinion. And and look, I have had Cornelio in my side, you know, up, up until two weeks ago. I think I had him in. So, and I also watched him kick four goals as a 16-year-old in the uh, Waffle GF many years ago as well. And um, if it wasn't for Andrew Cracker that day with 40 and three, I think he had 40 possessions, three goals. If it wasn't Andrew Cra- for Andrew Cracker that day, he would have been beat best on ground. So as a 16-year-old in the Waffle Grand Final. So, look, he's got potential to play forward and play a role forward. I don't think he likes it that much. He watched him last year, but he was clearly hindered with injury in the latter part of the year, and he was sort of rushed back into the team um, given their other injuries at the minute. And, look, Brent Daniels, I know Leon Cameron holds him highly with his pressure in the forward line. And, and Keneally is not going to do that. He's not going to have five tackles a game in the, in the you know, forward or centre. It's it's about clean possession, giving it to the big guys, at, um, that traditional half-forward role, I think, more than kicking goals. So... Yeah, I'm going to stay clear of that. I like, you know, the likes of Dunkley more, even though there's the risk that Dunks is going to play forward um, as well, even though he's 100K more as well. And even Trelaw, I think watching the grand final live um, and watching Trelaw really being one of the few Bulldogs that put in a four-quarter effort from the midfield, um, I feel like they're the best midfield mix at the Dogs is Liver, Bont, and Trelaw. That's my personal point of view. And, you know, Beveridge has thrown the, the magnets around plenty of time and he continue to do that. But um, if, you know, I, if I go Cogs versus Trelaw, it's Trelaw. All right, looking at our next player, Jeb, Lockie Whitfield. Uh, obviously, premium players into the defensive position is what we look for, and Whitfield is one of those. So, coming off an interrupted preseason last year, so he was sidelined early, if you can remember. So, pretty much he lost all a lot of body weight, so he lost his fitness there as well, and he still got through the season scoring pretty well. So now, full preseason, he should be ready to go at round one. I think he's going to be highly owned. Um, obviously, I'm very interested. Jet, what are you thinking? I'm very interested too, mate. I think he's one of the most surest picks of the season, 
given his defender status. I think we can safely, you know, put a lot of money on him being a top six uh, defender for the year and um, and getting back to his best too. I, th- I think people have got to really acknowledge that Whitfield's heavily underpriced. And I say heavily by, and I mean heavily, you know, there's 80 grand, potentially 100 grand there um, mm. for him to go. So, no, no, he, he's a must. Okay, the last player we're going to talk about in this little bit of a section here is Josh Dunkley. You just mentioned him earlier. So, you know, he's going to be potentially, um, you know, if Trelaw's in that centre bounce mix, you know, is, is Dunkley there? But I still think he can score well. And because he's forward eligible, Jeb, I still, you know, he can hit ceiling games. You know, there's nothing wrong with him posting a 130-140, but we might see a little bit of inconsistency based on his role and especially based on Luke Beveridge because, you know, he, he always throws up something different each year. And I expect this this season to be the same as well. But early last year when Dunkley was in that midfield jet, uh, he was scoring, scoring quite well. But if you remember, Trelaw wasn't really in there and he started to come in there as well throughout stages of the season. But Trelaw had his obviously his own injury issues there as well. So it's a pretty solid centre bounce mix. We've got Bont. You know, he's probably to be tagged, but he was outstanding last year. Didn't even actually matter. Um, you got, as you mentioned, you got Liber in there. You got McRae in there. And, you know, if, if we're taking McRae, we how many other Bulldogs in there? I remember this time last year, Jeb, I was almost going to do it. I was almost going to start, you know, because the discussion was basically, you know, how many mids can you have from one team? I was almost going to start with Dunkley, um, Bont, and also... Um, McRae, I was almost going to do the three. I did the two, but I was almost going to do the three. I'm interested to do the three this year, Jeb. That's interesting. Um, to me, again, I, I'd love, I love the coaching aspect of footy a lot, um, and and what Beveridge does in these situations. And we, you and I, obviously watch football intently, as long with most of our listeners. Okay, now. Watching the Bulldogs make up and how they play, to me, picking Jack McRae, and I'm just going to bounce around a bit. I'll come back to dunks. But Jack McRae, to me, is going to play more outside this year than he did last year. And I yeah, I, I feel like the inside mix is, is, is pretty – I'm pretty um, bullish on how this is going to play out. But I think Dunkley is definitely part of the inside mix. Um, along with Trelaw, oh, and I've got them both in my team. Now, it's prob- I probably talk myself into these things more than anything, but to me, when Lockie Hunter went to the half-forward line and played out of that midfield and they played Rook Smith as like that defensive um, outside mid, I don't think it did them any favours. I really don't. I, I-, I feel like they just got to keep backing themselves and play attacking footy. And um, I know Rourke Smith plays a different element of the game and brings the tackling pressure on the one percenters, and I get all that. But there's no reason why Jack McRae and every other Bulldogs player can't chip into that extent to, to make up for that. So I can see McRae going on the outside, and I re- really can see Dunkley, um, Bont, and Trelaw. How's that for a, a three with Liber feeding it out from the bottom of the grass um, to them? In, in, as an inside midfield mix for the majority of the year. All right, so inside or outside McRae for me, I don't, it, 
That's fine. I think he's more outside. Yeah, yeah but, but for, for me, I think I think he gets there from his scoring point of view. I don't think that that's oh, a concern whatsoever. Okay. So Dunkley now. The one thing that you forgot to mention, which you're pretty big on, Jed, it's contract year for Dunkley. Hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I am. I'm always big on it. And Lockie Neal's the other one. Um, yeah, it speaks for itself. Like, if it was up, if it was me in that position, you're going to do the extras. You're going to do the extra sessions. You're not going to have that um, hot chocolate at night. Everything's going to be working towards maximising your dollars. These guys get 10 really good years to, to make a, a crust. And, um, and yeah, the contract is a big. So, yeah, Dunk, Dunks wants to be paid, um, whether it's back-ended, front-ended, or whatever happens with every, if it's the dogs or whoever it is. Um, yeah, he's going to be doing his best. All right, let's move on to our next little section here. We're going to talk about injury risk selection so just a couple of early thoughts so again this is just a casual podcast we're inviting you into our discussion um, we thought we put it on the podcast for you so everyone can listen into all right so matt crouch jeb missed didn't play last year all of it right he underwent surgery i think it was his, his october or november that was his november, last surgery. Yeah. yeah so um so surgery there as well so then he did he he's only hitting our full practice mode pre-season now. So my question to you is this. Right, we are big on picking players that complete a full pre-season. Is that correct? Yes or no? Absolutely, 1,000%. So two things here for Matt Crouch. Firstly, from a value point of view, he just screams value for me. That's not even a question. Yep. Now, if he hits 105, 110 average, man, it, it's just you're just going to have to have him. Now, from an injury risk assessment point of view, into a year that's potentially going to have COVID issues, do you want to have um, potential issues with that? Now, he's not going to complete a full preseason, which is a major, you know, red whatever. So, you know, I'm really torn here. I want him in my team. He's just showing monster value in my spreadsheet. Like, it's just, what am I thinking about? But then I think, you know... How many times do we get burnt with picking players that don't do a pre-season? It's quite often, yeah? And he's going to be in that scenario of not completing a full pre-season. So, um, yeah, I'm really torn on this one. I really want him in there. But, you know, you just go to a different player and just hope, you know, if his ownership is heavy, you know, if he pops out 100 or plays, you know, 80% game time that pre-season, if he pops out 100, 105, ownership's going to be high. So then do you really take a stand against him, but it really could hurt you. What are you thinking? No, look, uh, for me, Matt Crouch can be a top 10 midfielder this season. And that's why we're both torn. And you're not the only one, mate. And there's listeners out there that are in the same bloody boat. Because we know what he can do, and he doesn't play that fast football game, right? So if if Adelaide keep playing the way they did last year, it's going to suit him. And um, I can see him, if he's fit and plays 22 games, he's going to be a top 10 mid. That's why we're all drawn to him. And that's why you should be more drawn to a Matt Crouch than a Matt Rao, in my mind. Obviously, there's, a, there's an extra dollar spend there. But Crouch can be that top 10 mid for the year, and that's the big jump you get. And that's why, look, I'm not doing it. I'm staying disciplined just with the structure of my team and how I think it's going to go. I'm going with five primo mids. Um, 
straight up um, and they're value mids too and, and Matt Crouch isn't one of them and um, yeah look there's going to be enough um, heartache throughout the year with laid outs and the like you, you don't want to um, add more ingredients to, to the pot when you don't have to Right, so in that Adelaide midfield, what we seen last year, so Rory Rory Led was the absolute alpha in that team. Agree? Yep. Yep. Ben Key's numbers were exceptional in the end. Do you agree? Correct. How's Matt Crouch going to fit in there with those guys scoring well? I think Keys is going to be negatively impacted. Do you reckon that's the case? For sure, and Led. Um, I think um, Keys is becomes sort of the liver type, and he extracts the yep. ball yep. out of the hard ball gets, okay. and then. And Laird and Crouch are there for the first handball, so then, um, or getting them themselves, obviously. So then, if you throw in a new player, Jordan Dawson, into the mix as well. So, you know, he, I think he's going to spend most of his uh, time out on a wing and enter, yep. uh, delivering that ball inside forward 50. But I think he's going to command the ball there as well. And then you've got on the outside, on the other wing, you've got Paul Seedsman. So, and then there's... a. a potentially a couple of other younger type players to be in that mix as well. So I think you've almost got, you know, your keys in there who we know now who can who can really rack it up. Laird, I still think, is the offer. I think he's, he's bigger than Crouch, but, you know, Crouch at his price chip, it's just, it screams value. Um, I've got him in my side at the moment, but, yeah, it's just like, you know, it's, you know, I might actually just take a stand on base where I think ownership's going to go. That might be my final decisive decision. If he pops it, in a big put score, it this way: if he if he plays semi decent in the preseason yeah. games, and he's got to play both, and you look at him and he's moving up well, and it's not necessarily about the points here; it's how he moves. Okay, um, then I think a lot will go go with him. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's fair enough. I, I, I have no qualms with that at all. I might just take a stand against where I think the field's going to go. So just take a bit of a, a stand. And then uh, if I think it's going to be, if he pops out 100 in that first game with that 80% game time, looks fine. I might just go, well, I think there might be, you know, and I'm big on, you know, I think there are about 10,000 people that can win overall title. And that's what we talk about in this podcast. Yep. Uh, it's overall title in AFL fantasy. So... I think if I reckon I can get it up to 60 to 70% they're going to take Crouch, I might just go, right, I'm just going elsewhere. Now, if I think he's going to be underweight, as in people are scared based off groin, and, and I even I posted a couple of weeks ago on my Twitter feed, is that if you see a groin injury, you just run the other way. Now, if I think it's going to be underweight, if I think it's going to be about, you know, in that top 10,000, if I think it's going to be, you know, two or 3,000 coaches taking, I might want to be part of that scenario and, and potentially take the upside. But there is risk there. He's not going to complete a full preseason, and he could burn you really quickly, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. It's high risk, high reward at the end of the day. To me, I see the positive as, as his overall ten uh, top 10 potential as a mid, um, but the, obviously you play that against the cards of his risk, um, injury risk and, and history. And look, groins, not that I've done one or two, but they're hard to manage and they're hard to come back from. So we could, it's not like doing a soft tissue. Sure, you can do a soft, the same soft tissue over and over again, but you're really restricted in your movement from mm. groin injuries. All right, so... You know, once we talk about one player with the injury risk, you know, how many can you have in one team? And I think this player is going to be pretty uh, strongly owned, Jep, and it's Wayne Millerer. I think if he gets there pre-season, um, I think he's going to be uh, pretty decently owned. Obviously, that defender eligible there. So he's pretty much in that same scenario as Crouch. 
not a full preseason. It's almost going to be there, but it's you know we're not going to tick off you know once we head in two days before round round one. We ask ourselves, did he play a full preseason? The answer is definitely going to be no. But you know in that defender part of the grand, and he's really cheap, and he can score okay, and he can exceed value quite easily. He's one player that I'm interested in. Jet, what are you thinking? Yeah, look, he's best 22. Um, he's obviously a very um, good foot by foot, and um, Adelaide will want it in his hands as much as possible. But will he be the accumulator? Probably not. What's he probably likely to average? He's going to average 75. I think that's near enough there. Um, if he gets to 80, yep, yeah, okay. If he can push to 80 as the uh, the games and the season goes on. Mm. But ultimately, I'm expecting 70 from a rook. Um, and look, they're going to protect Wayne Valera. So he's going to be a lot of outside, a lot of half back. If Adelaide, if we think Adelaide's going to play, still play a little bit slower, um, then yeah, he could, he could be a gun pick. I'm not going with him. It, yeah. It's, but I, don't worry, that will change. <laughs> it has changed a lot. He has been in and out of my team all year, just purely based on his price. Right. Um, so yeah. Do I finish off? No, no, it's more the fact that I feel like he's, he'll be managed throughout the year because he's had two bad years of injuries. So mm. to me, it, it, yeah, he's going to play a block of four games, have a rest or be a, a medical sub or whatever else, and and I, I'm playing the odds here. I, I feel like with his high ownership, I could get a leg up. Interesting you said he would probably average around 75. So in my spreadsheet in my projection for his score and then uh, throw that into his salary and then outspits my uh, value is that he's crushing value so for me this might be a spreadsheet decision uh, basically you know have some salary relief based on someone I'm thinking it's score higher and obviously build a better squad so he's showing a pretty 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 decent value so uh, it's one that i think i'm going to click into if he completes the rest of the pre-season jet all right so let's move on to our next player it's callum mills obviously he had that achilles injury last year so he's ticking ticking along okay in pre-season now uh, he's inside that top three for center bounces for sydney now his scoring rate last year was excellent before he had his injury issues any interest here whatsoever from you, Jeb? And I think there's going to be low ownership. What are you thinking? Yeah, I love the pick. It, it's it's purely how's his body and how's his Achilles going. So um, I've been stalking the uh, Sydney training picks and, and trying to find out any information I can. And to me, he's not completing all the sessions. Now, again, that might be just the management this time of year and when he's come off injury and if he's still getting the Ks in his legs, we're, we're okay. Because um, he's the main man in there now. Like, Luke Parker is the mid-forward hybrid. Um, you know, Kennedy's getting older and, and still presents value at, at stoppages, obviously. But Mills is your man. Um, I love the pick. I'm not doing it. I would love to do it if he had a full preseason, though. Okay, the next player here is Tom Stewart. So obviously had that foot injury, uh, had surgery there, almost made it back for finals, did not. So since then, he's resumed running uh, pretty much straight after the season ended for Geelong, and he's tracking well into pre-season now. Managed along the way, which is okay. Um, he said that's fine, it's just part of his program, but he's look, looking likely to be okay at round one. However, however, I think ownership's going to be light, but however... 
Uh, his partner's due uh, with a baby in March. Now, I don't know whether that's early March or late March. And it'd be no good from a fantasy perspective if he misses a game in round two. That's all I'm saying, just putting it out there. Don't know when his baby's due, but he'd said on radio interview um, last week that, you know, it's in March. I don't know when that is, so congrats. Hopefully everything goes okay from that point of view. But from a fantasy perspective, you know, that's a, just another 1% of risk in there. From a scoring point of view, I think it still should be solid, you know, 9,500 around that mark, maybe even a little bit more. Hopefully you can crack the 100 this year. I don't think the foot's an issue. I think it's going to be okay. Light ownership jet, but, you know, from defenders, and I keep saying this, you know, it's a flat average. You know, you pretty much, if you're spending in there at round one, that's pretty much what you're going to get throughout the year. Jep, thoughts? Yeah, spot on. Again, with the last point there, it's you can jump on Stuart any time. I don't think he, he shows value. To me, uh, Lloyd and Whitfield present the value in the back line as the two um, uber premiums, and, and Tom Stewart can wait. Uh, just just on Lloyd, you're thinking about Lloyd? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Lloyd. Like Lloyd a lot. I um, Again, he's probably one that's been in and out of my team um, just with restructure and, and how I've decided to go because there is an element of Jake Lloyd can wait as well, much like Tom Stewart. So... Mm. Um, I feel like, and this is not Dawson related with Dawson going, Lloyd's going to get more kicks and the like. We, he showed that in the second half of last year. We know what Lloyd's going to produce near enough. To me, it's he's slightly unders. He's got a good injury history, so he's durable. We know what we're going to get from him, um, and he's just a safe, slightly undervalued pick, uh, underpriced under pick. So for me, for Lloyd, the Swans changed their game plan last year, so that was less kicks around half-back. It was more, again, efficient ball movement. You know, most teams are going to be heading that direction. So, you know, for me, my thinking on Lloyd is, you know, that's his new average. You know, I, don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's the, you know, the, the 105s and, and they're up. So for me, I think he's established his new average. I expect him to average the same, and I expect him to, to buy in if I want to buy in with him at any stage of the season. It's going to be around the same price, Chip. Yeah, I think, um, you know, he's priced at 98. So what we saw in the second half last year is he took more kick-ins, um, and then that helped project, propel his score, sorry, up a, a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, you're right. There's an element that Jake, uh, Jake Lloyd can wait as well, much like Tom Stewart. These defenders, you know, we know Jake Lloyd's not a midfielder. We know what his role is going to be. We hand on heart, exactly know what it's going to be. So, can you find value elsewhere? All right. So the next one here, your favourite. So it's Dustin Martin. So obviously he missed <laughs> uh, the later stages of last season through surgery and lost a heck of a lot of body weight. So since then, so when he's undergone his surgery, you know, talks out of Richmond were that, you know, we actually might want to put uh, Dusty back into the midfield and start to reduce his forward time, which which raised my ears instantly. So, you know, the last time he was in that midfield and just roaming around half-back and just free-reeling it through that midfield uh, was 2017, and he put up monster scores, won the Brownlow medal. So he was putting up, he was the give and go, he was just like elite Dusty. That's what, that's what I'm thinking potentially could happen. Wish it could happen. But, you know, he's not going to complete a full present, just into full training now, so that's a cross. Uh, but, yeah, lost a lot of body weight. He started to put it on quite quite okay at this stage. Uh, maybe it's a wait and see, but, yeah, okay price-wise. But, you know, any thoughts on your favourite there, Jeff? 
Well, I think history tells us that from where he's come from, not exactly where he's come from, but a delayed preseason, yeah. he's going to take that two, three weeks to warm up. And I'm not saying he can't get to peak Dusty with the insights and a bounce time um, and that role, but you can afford not to start Dusty and and watch how his role plays out and then pick him up later. I think that um, you can sleep easy at night with knowing that. One of the consistent themes out of round one when you when I listen to post-game interviews, and I listen to pretty much all of them, um, and pretty much from the players, this is what they say after round one. I blew up in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, I, I blew up in the first... Like, I couldn't run... Like, I had nothing left after the 10 minutes in the first quarter. Playing uh, a, a full game of AFL is completely different to pre-season training, Jet. We know that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the next one here is Patrick Cripps, Jet. So... I uh, mentioned in the previous uh, podcast with regards to Michael Voss and his focus on the midfield, and Cripps is right in this scenario. You know, he's back to pretty much full health. He's okay. Uh, it ended badly for Teague last year, and I think Cripps, you know, with his uh, back injury and he just struggled through the year and he's freed up now. And I think with a big focus on that car midfield, I think Cripps, you know, he, and he has scored quite well uh, historically. But the thing is, he really had no support the last few years. Walsh has come on board, but now you've got Cher in there as well, Hewitt in there in the mix as well. So I think the midfield is going to be stronger for Carlton, and I think, you know, rejuvenated midfield and a rejuvenated Patrick Cripps coming off a pretty decent pre-season, Jep, I think he can hit some uh, pretty high scores and increase his average from last year, Jep. What are you thinking? Actually, yeah, had a quick chat to Patrick Cripps in the off-season. He was at the grand final. Um... And I said, how's the body's feeling? He said, really good. Well, that was the only question I asked him. But he was pretty um, quick with his response. It, um, he looks obviously healthy and he, he looks great so far this preseason. I, I think he is one of the best picks for, um, for this preseason. We spoke about Matt Crouch before. Um, pushing top 10 as a midfielder. Patrick Cripps can push top 10 as a midfielder. Trust me, if he's playing at his best... And with Voss absolutely squeezing every ounce of football out of him, he um, he will propel upwards. So he's high on my watch. I see a lot of value. I don't have him at the moment, but um, he's been in and out for uh, for the majority of this year as well. So look, guys that um, that don't have him on the watch list, um, yeah, please put him on. Okay, the next one here to finish in this little section is Elliot Yo. So um, he's pretty much come back uh, into the season last year and he got through the remainder of the season, which is great. His centre bounce usage is going to be high jet, yeah? And we yeah. know we can post monster scores. Obviously, what I talked about in the previous podcast is you know, are we going to avoid players from WA, especially when they're high price and they, we're expecting a pretty decent average? That's a risk. I think he's okay from an injury perspective, like... So the issue is uh, people are seeing that he's being managed and question marks are floating about, but he's fine. Uh, checked in with Rhino, he's fine. They're just managing his load, and that's what yeah. they do to the older players over in Perth, uh, over at West Coast, uh, to get them through into the season. So I think he's fine. I think his value uh, is a pretty decent price tag there, Jep. And that, that those tackle numbers, I think, are going to be pretty decent. Um, I think it's a pretty decent value pick, but it's just, you know... Back again to that previous podcast where I said, you know, are we avoiding top-line players from, from West Coast and Fremantle? Yeah, we've got to be thinking about that too. What are you thinking? 
Oh, look, he's going to be the ones, the number one centre bounce player at West Coast behind Nick Natanui and, and whoever else, the Brooklyn. Um, there's no doubt. He, he'll average probably eight tackles a game. He, um, I think he'll get through the season no problem at all. Mm. I, I, that's my gut feel. Uh, and you're spot on. He, they're just managing his workload at this time of year. They don't want anything flaring up for obvious reasons. Um, and West Coast are just so goddamn thin <laughs> in the midst. So we um, we have good quality midfielders, but we've got no depth. So everyone's got to stay fit and healthy, including Elliot Yo, And um, he's got a big role to play this year. And he crips and crouch. They're really pushing um, for this these top 10 mid spots. So... Look, out of the three, Cripps, Yo and, and Crouch, I think Crouch is probably the one that can be a top 10 mid. Um, Cripps as well. I'd probably have Yo third personally. And um, that's just off experience watching a lot of West Coast games. Sometimes when Shuey dominates, um, the other mids just take that little bit backward seat and, and don't score so well. And he can pull out an 80 and still play well, Elliot Yo. Um, Tim Kelly's done it before. I've seen it a couple of times last year. So just keep that in mind. Okay, we're going to talk about some premium mids now. So these are the high-priced players coming into the season. So just a quick discussion on either of these four, Jep. So it's Jack Steele, Jack McRae, Tom Mitchell, Tuke Miller, all coming in at pretty uh, decent price to start the season. Thoughts on any one of those? Oh, look, Jack Steele is a phenomenal inside midfielder that has the keys to the St Kilda midfield. Nothing would change in his role. He is the sole captain, I believe now, mm-hmm. Pete. Yeah, so he, he's, you know, he's a leader. He, he stands by his performances on the field, and even though he's a million bucks, he is still a worthy pick, in my opinion. We need that captain pick. But, you know, a lot of coaches are forgetting that we need... That, that it's times two. Um, and with someone with a ceiling like Jack Steele, uh, yeah, I can't see why you wouldn't pick him. I know he's expensive, but it's about balance and, and the captain picks is just as important as um, as anything else in your starting 22. Uh, we've discussed Jack McRae there as well. So Tom Mitchell, thoughts there? Oh, look, Titch is an interesting one with the new coach and how Hawthorne want to play. Look, I... I hope and no doubt Titch is um, in peak physical condition and and all the rest of it. But if Hawthorne playing a bit more direct, a bit more straight out of, out of the guards, um, it's going to affect Titch's scores. He gets a lot of um, slow mark kicks in through that midfield. He did last year anyway. So, yeah, it's a wait and see for me. Um, just to say that, again, Titch is in my team at the minute. But um, I've got... I got him highlighted. Every time I try to save money, he's the first to go. All right, and the final one here, Tuke Miller. Can we? Can he set the same standard? Can he? Can he be up there with regards to chip leader for, you know, biggest average for the season chip? Oh, he definitely can. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. It, it's it to me. It comes down to Steele or Tuke Miller. You can't have both. Well, I I can't make a team work with both of them. Not not a viable team. So. Um, I'm going with Steele. Many are going with Steele. You see the ownership. Um, that's not to say Miller will not be a top three midfielder this year. He, he, his work rate is just to, yeah, amazing to watch. It really is. I, I'm in awe of his work rate and, um, 
he's a natural leader of that football club and no doubt they need it and he will keep on keeping on. Alright, so he racked up huge numbers last year, Jip. So my question now leads into this. How about a Took Miller, Matt Real combo and they just feed off each other all season? How about that? Yeah, but I don't think that's the Dewey wants to play that style of gameplay. I feel like Noah Anderson's the 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 uh, the deliverer, like he he's the Jack McRae's to a point of of putting it inside fifty. So and Took Miller, I feel like Rao's got to do the in and under dirty work, and and Took and Noah Anderson are going to reap benefits from that. All right, the last question on those four, how many of those you got in there? So it's again, it's Steele, McRae, Mitchell, and Miller. How many in your team right now? I've got two. Okay, I've got one, and it's not Jack Steele. It's not Tom. Yeah, McRae. I can't. I can't and, see. And it's not yeah. Tuke Miller. So yeah. it was Jack McRae I'm going again. Interesting. Yeah, look, each their own. I feel like there's a risk with Jack McRae with his role. I want to see where he plays um, in pre-season. But, you know, he's done it so many years consistently and he's so durable. So why wouldn't you? Like, it's it's, it's an almost no-brainer. But um, I thought actually you would have gone Tuke Miller for the low ownership. Uh, potential. I might flip there. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. All right, we're going to next little section here, Jet. So strong ownership, and that's exactly what you just mentioned. Is it how many players are you looking to avoid with strong ownership? You know, is it one or two? Is it you know you're taking a stand on Crouch if he's heavily owned? Uh, we know that Sicily could be heavily owned, so it sounds like we're both going to take a stand there. So your thoughts on how many players you reckon you could take a stand on, and maybe we just avoid the you know the players below 300 for the for this particular discussion. Sure. You know, how many like a Matt Real, like he could be like 50% owned out of the top 10,000. Um, you know, so any of those players there that. You know, how many can you take to avoid ownership? Like Whitfield, I mean, it sounds like you're pretty strong and I am too. Like, I'm not taking a stand against a player like that. So, you know, we where what position of the field are you willing to take a stand on? Is it mid-defender, midfield, and how many? Thoughts? Yeah, it, it varies um, in each in each case, doesn't it? So, like... Let's let's go through most of them. Okay, so Sicily is the first one that comes to my mind. To me, I don't see Sicily as a consistent scorer. So when you're paying 500k, you want him to be consistently above a certain benchmark. So that's a no. And I'm happy, really happy. Others disagree with me. I'm pretty confident on that. Um, Malira is another one. I just feel like he's going to get managed through the year. I've mentioned that. Rao, again, he struggles to spread from the uh, from inside to outside that, that I saw last year, and I hope that changes. I really do. Um, but guys like Lockie Neal, uh, yeah, Whitfield you mentioned, um, I th- you know, Duncan even. To me, even with Duncan, having a player in your forward line that can hit 130 is just priceless it's absolutely priceless to me i know he's 31 years old but i also know how geelong play and sure he he could blow a hammy in round two and haha sucked in jet you uh you got that one wrong i'm gonna get lots wrong throughout the year don't you worry about that but yeah it's it's what duncan can do that excites me so that's why i'm going not going against the ownership numbers there um so, yeah, it just depends case by case. I think 
ultimately what I boil it down to is are they going to be consistent scoring? What's their ceiling? Is is basically how how I round it out. Um, yeah, it, the midfielders are the are the biggest ones of, of discussion. Like Caleb Sarong is is a really good, highly owned midfielder that is unders on his price. I thousand percent agree with that. But is he going to be a top ten midfielder? I don't think he is. Again, I hope I'm wrong. But when you're paying $691,000 for a player, you want them to be pushing top eight mid status. Like top, basically from, you know, the outer skirts of the top eight mids. So I don't think he can do that. I feel like Patrick Cripps is a far better pick than Caleb Sarong is. And people might go, Jet, what are you doing? You're talking crazy. Sorry, I, that's that's the way I feel. I, I don't get me wrong, he's got so Sarong's an average of eighty two, he'll get to ninety two, no dramas. Ninety two, ninety five, but not the hundred and five. I'm looking for the hundred and five guys and plus, hundred and ten guys even, um in a midfield sense. So uh who else is a highly owned one? Like Cam Rayner, impact player. Like I know he's cheap, but he's an impact player. He um he's not the accumulator, so I'm not going there. Tim Taranto, he's gonna be locked pretty much in the forward line for the first five weeks. So definitely no go zone. Um, Aaron Hall could, can't spend that much money, even though, again, for a player that can average 130 in your defender, uh, in your defensive line, that is priceless. But I don't know if Aaron Hall is going to have the same role as he did last year. Maybe, uh, again, if, to me, it's a 50-50 call on that um, and how North Melbourne plays. So he's on my watch list, and that uh, this can all change. But, um, yeah, look, it, it just depends on this um, on the highly owned players and who you go for and who you don't. Um, it just depends on a case-by-case basis. But ultimately, when I'm looking at a player, um, you know, especially 600, 700K plus, I, I want them to be either a top six defender, top six forward or top eight mid, you know, pushing those boundaries and pushing that valley. Okay, so my thoughts going into the season is that, you know, we don't really have to go too far off the board early jet. So for me, I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't mind matching a lot of teams early in the season. Maybe one or two spots, I'm happy to go different. And, yeah, it's like the Sicily. Yeah, it's like potentially the Real. Is it like I might just flip that different to how I think uh, the season will play out and then just take it on board from there and just see how the season plays out. So for me, not too off the board too early, so therefore maybe just one or two spots for me to take strong stance against ownership. Uh, again, just saying for me this year, patience and uh, potentially let others make mistakes. Uh, we all will, and we're all going to get hit with players that uh, will miss games uh, through COVID. So uh, for me, let's just play this season game and hopefully we can win out with our edge there. All right, Jeff, that's it for this podcast. So for the listeners, so keep an eye out for the next couple of days. We'll release our third version of our back to 2022 season and in the preseason. So thanks for joining, Jeff. Thanks, guys.